This episode is brought to you by Summer School Electronics. With pedals like the Snow Day Delay, the Pep Rally Fuzz, the Trash Panda, and my personal favorite, the Science Fair, which is two classic dirt pedals in one with a mid-boosted overdrive on one side, a black lab rat circuit on the other, and a blend knob to blend between them to find the perfect classic stacked dirt sound you're looking for, it's hard not to find something you'll love. Mark builds all of his pedals by hand in Syracuse, New York, where he also works as a full-time educator. In addition to the super fun graphics on their pedals, Mark also offers custom artwork. Want your dog's face on a pedal? He can do it. Want your face on a pedal? He can make that happen too. Go over to summerschoolelectronics.com and make sure to tell them that 40 Watt Podcast sent you. How you doing, 40 Waters? How you like that sudden abrupt music ending? My bad. I moved the fader way quicker than I should have. I've been out of practice, y'all. I've been out of town. Went to Summer Nam last week. Uh, it'd be two weeks as you're listening to this since Summer Nam because we put out an episode as a Summer Nam recap. If you listened through that two hours plus of complete and utter chaos and tomfoolery, thank you so much because that's insane. And I appreciate all of you bringing your insanity to me. So, Couple of things before we get started. As usual, wanted to welcome my newest Patreon, Ben Farr, and I bet I got that last name wrong after I told myself I'd get it right. But Ben joined at the five dollar level. Those of you that don't already know, Ben is the uh, madman behind Electromotive Sound pedals. He makes some super cool stuff. I just ordered his Phaser pedal. Um, it's insane. Uh, check my Instagram. I just posted. By the time you're hearing this, it would have been last week, so you're probably going to have to scroll back because I've been on an Instagram kick. But you'll see it. Super awesome. Can't wait to get it in and give it a shot. Um, so, speaking of Patreon, go over to Patreon. If you like the podcast, you can support and make this keep happening. Um, I, I know some people think that, you know, podcasting is super easy. You just hold up a phone and you talk into it and you put it in the internet and it goes out in the ether. It costs money, y'all. And I operate at a net loss right now. So I'd love to operate at a break even. That'd be awesome. Um, after that, it's just all gravy. But as uh, you regular listeners will know that I do donate 25% of the proceeds of my Patreon to charity. This year, it's going to be St. Jude Children's Hospital in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, next year, I'm still taking uh, taking suggestions. If you got a charity that's near and dear to your heart for next year's um, Patreon, let me know because I plan on doing this for a while. I, the podcasting, the donating charity is going to be for as long as I'm doing this. Um, go to our website, 40wattpodcast.com. Go to our link tree, which is linktr.ee slash 40wattpodcast, or our Patreon, patreon.com slash 40wattpodcast. You can support the show. You can buy t-shirts. You can buy stickers. You can find all of our social media where you can like, subscribe, uh, bell icon, follow, trying to get all these right, guys. Uh, comment, share, all those things you can do. We really, really appreciate you sharing the show. And two minutes. Awesome. Got it all in. So today's episode, I'm super pumped and I'm super sad at the same time. So today we got Nashville guitarist Dominique Ruiz on the show. Um, we were supposed to try to get together during Summer Nam last week, mm -hmm. but it was super insane. It got super crazy. I ended up on a wild tour of the Gibson garage backstage and like their artist lounge and like, oh. and went to Carter vintage guitars. I did the, I crunched the numbers in one day. I played about $2 million worth of guitars and it just completely blew my mind. Wow. Um, yeah. So, but we're making it happen now. So Dominique, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So we were talking before we started recording and, um, I knew I had to get you on the show because, I, I, you know, it, listeners, if you're on Instagram, which you probably are, because that's my primary social media, you have seen Dominique on, on Instagram, <laughs> if you have guitar anywhere in your <laughs> algorithm. Um, she is uh, all over Instagram playing solos and intros to some of your favorite songs. Um, that didn't happen by magic, y'all. So, so she's, she's relatively new to Instagram, but she's been playing guitar for a long time. So we're going to talk about that. And I wanted to give her a chance to tell that story. Um, because some of y'all up in the comments are rude. 
Just saying. So, Dominique, how'd you get started playing guitar? First of all, you're not originally from Nashville, are you? No, I'm from California. Okay, so let's start. How'd you get into guitar and how'd you get to Nashville? Yeah, great question. So actually, my parents met in a band. They're not professional musicians, but they both play guitar and they love music. Um, my dad especially is amazing. And um, I have two siblings. I have a brother and a sister. And so my brother wanted to start learning how to play guitar. And so my dad started teaching him and my sister. And I didn't want to be left out. And it was the summertime and I had nothing else to do. So I was like, hey, teach me too. Um, so I kind of went along with them. But we were doing classical guitar. And so um, that was really fun. But I listened to a lot of like rock music. I love the Foo Fighters. I love Nirvana. <laughs> I love Led Zeppelin. So I asked my dad to start like teaching me some of that stuff too. And um, he bought me like a little Mexican Fender, you know, Strat. And I was like, dad, stay over to heaven. You know, I didn't even know (laughs) that that was a cliche. Truly, I just, I had Led Zeppelin 4 and I liked the song. And, you know, I like Black Dog and some of the other songs too, but they seemed a little bit harder to play. (laughs) So I was like, I think I could do this. This goes with the classical guitar I've been doing. And um, yeah, so he he really helped me. And then I kind of kept going with my lessons with classical guitar. And I ended up going to the San Francisco Conservatory of Music in high school. They like have a high school division. Um, and so that was really awesome. And then I went to USC for classical guitar, but I fell in love with songwriting there. And I, I knew I didn't want to be a professional classical guitarist. Um, I knew I wanted to be in music, but I didn't know how to make, you know, being a rock star. <laughs> dream i didn't think you could really professionally be in a band uh, which is funny because i listened to so much music i just you know didn't know anyone that had done it i didn't know anyone that was a professional music musician and i mean i guess i could have looked it up on the internet but for some reason that didn't occur to me so i just used youtube to learn guitar (laughs) and uh yeah so when i was at usc i decided that like songwriting was what i loved didn't want to give them away my songs i was going to be an artist so i was a solo artist um you know i did some stuff in la but i met a bunch of guitarists who were from nashville and i was like you guys are all so good you know i was at this blues jam like how are you so good like tell me your secrets they're like we all live in nashville you should come here everyone's good at guitar here (laughs) which is true it actually is true everyone is good at guitar in nashville it's crazy it blows my mind like every week um but yeah so i ended up you know moving to nashville you know both for the songwriting community and for the guitar community and best decision i ever made it's been so much fun and i've got to learn so much out here you know i uh Listeners of the podcast will know I lived in Murfreesboro for a couple of years. I was studying recording yeah. industry management over at MTSU. Uh, ultimately, didn't even you know I got a, ended up with a degree not from MTSU in music and audio engineering. Um, I don't even work in that field anymore. I'm a public library director. This podcast is my tether to the music world that I hold <laughs> on to. Um, but yeah, even in Murfreesboro, it was everyone's a good musician. Yeah. Everyone yeah. can sing. Everyone can write songs. Um, you know the the. The, the tales I used to hear back then, and that was, you know, 03, 04 time, mm-hmm. were like, you know, you know everybody does it. The, the big bands will pull some fan up on stage to, to play or sing a song or something like that. Yeah. It's like, don't do that in Nashville. They'll take your job. <laughs> don't do that in Nashville. You know, in oh, Nashville, true. the valet slips their demo CD in your, in your CD player in your car when they park. Not that, you know, nobody uses CDs anymore, but... Yeah, um, it was. It's a wild world there in Nashville, and having it's so true, and having just gone back for a few days, like the the it's mm-hmm. been so long since I spent real time in Nashville. I'd been for some other things, but not music. Mm-hmm. And it, it just reminded me of that community, that culture that's there. It's yeah. really an unbelievable place. So you studied classical guitar. Um, your I the tie between stairway makes complete sense. It really <laughs> does. Um, so you you get into rock and roll. You moved to Nashville. Um, and so now you're there, you, you do session work, you're playing in a band there. Let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So, um, when I, like I said, I was a solo artist out in LA and when I moved out here, I, you know, I was a solo artist too. Um, and then I met my bandmate, Andrea, um, we actually met at the Blue Root Cafe and we went to the same college. We went to USC, um, and we weren't really friends there. We were just acquaintances who were in, like, we were in choir together and a couple other classes. So we recognized each other, but we weren't, you know, I didn't have her phone number or anything. I didn't know she was in Nashville. She didn't know I was there. Um, and so she was like, Hey, I recognize you. And so 
we actually started writing songs together and doing writers rounds together, which in Nashville, um, you know, it's a couple, it's maybe three or four different songwriters and every person plays a song and then you go back, you know, round quotes, the circle, you know, back to the beginning, everyone plays a song. So, you know, it's usually an hour and everyone gets to play three or four songs. So we do those together and we start singing on each other's stuff. And so we formed a band just really naturally because we're like, this is so fun. We're already writing together and singing and playing together that we should just do this. So that's been fun and then like you're saying i i did some other session work but definitely the nashville session scene is its own thing um and the guitarists are just absolutely amazing at what they do and they have so many guitars and so many pedals and also that you could take it all away and they would still be brilliant but you know they're just so good at coming up with parts and it (laughs) seems simple and it's not simple at all so I've done some session work, but I'm definitely not, you know, in in the session scene because they have their own thing. Um, but I do play a lot. You know, we played a bunch of festivals. We play in downtown Nashville, play writers rounds. We play full band shows. So that's been really fun. And Nashville is a great place to be able to tour out of because you can drive so many places that are just, you know, one hour, two hours, six hours away where you can go there and come back or go and stay the night. So, yeah, that's been really fun, too. And, you know, the... It's it's funny and and when I was in that, when I was in Murfreesboro, the whole thing was okay. You can come here and get your degree, but if you think you're going to stay here and make a living in Nashville area, you're going to have to go because like not they're yes. not kicking you out. Like they it they want people there, but there's so many people trying to do it. And you're right, some of those players they can take a broom handle with screws and bailing wire and make a hit record out of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like yeah, it's, it blow it blows the mind uh, completely. Uh, it's a totally different world. It's a guitar town. It is, it is absolutely a guitar, town. a guitar town. And I, that's what I love about it. I mean, guitar is my thing. Um, yeah. This this isn't green screen. Yeah, uh, I was like, you have the coolest guitar behind me, it's by an, the way. It's an obsession. It's it's a broken obsession. Actually, this, oh, I can't do this. I'm not good at this. This one I just bought last week on Impulse at Eastside. Yeah. It, was, it just, I couldn't, I couldn't leave it there. It looks so lonely. What kind it, of guitar is it? It's a, it's a 2013 Les Paul traditional pro oh my that has been relicked by a company called Daxon Company. Uh, okay. I have some pictures on Instagram. Uh, it'll oh, save wow. me from dragging my in-ears all the way back there, which I will, in my studio is a wreck because post-NAM, I took my podcasting rig. And so I'll inevitably yeah. pull something over if I try to walk over there. No, but, don't do that. Yeah. But that's awesome. That's a beautiful guitar. Wow. Oh, it is. It And it's, you know, this is 25 years of horse trading, just buying, flipping, selling, trading, just over and yeah. over and over again. It's insane to think like four years ago, I was a uh, two electrics and an acoustic guy with one amplifier and then like it exploded and it's bad, but we won't talk about my obsession. This is my own thing that I need help with. Um, (laughs) I'm going to hire a professional at some point. Um, So Nashville is, is that town completely. And so it's gotta be nice to have that level of player close to, even though there's so many of them. Like when, when I try to book my band and I start contacting the musicians that play in my band and they're like, oh, well, I can do this date, but I can't do this date, or I can do this. And you start piecemealing uh-huh. bands from show to show. And it's like, yes. and I'm just doing covers right now. You know, I'm, I've got this, the, the joke is I've been writing an EP for 15 years. Um, and one day it's gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna write some songs I don't completely hate and I'm gonna put it yeah. out. But, but it's like, you know, my regular bassist can't make it. Well, the mm-hmm. next guy I know lives two and a half hours away. And so the next guy that I know that I, I, works well with my band oh he's three and a half hours away but the gig's an hour that way so it's four and a half hours you start it's like oh piecemealing musicians in nashville you throw a rock and you hit a a three pro musicians well it's funny that you say i was like are you talking about my life so we play (laughs) you know um about every every weekend but it's funny it's like you're saying i like i said i take it for granted you know sometimes that you know for example we're playing uh tomorrow night you know on saturday night downtown nashville you know regular four-hour kind of cover gig thing and it took me 
I think contacting 51 drummers to find a drummer that was free. Bass was also hard, but that was only like 20 bass players. But like you're saying, the fact that I could find, you know, 50. And I also have to say the musician community is just amazing. You know, I have a couple friends. So many of them were like, hey, I'm out on the road, so I can't. But do you need help finding someone? Like, I can refer you to other guys or like, you know, love to play with you on another gig. I haven't met any of these people. We don't know each other, you know. And so I just feel like that's so cool that I can just text a stranger and they're so welcoming and so nice and so helpful and it's like you're saying it's a really cool thing that we do first of all have thousands of musicians that live here already know you know all these songs can play them like we play with a different band every week pretty much i love to play with the same band although it's really fun to meet new people but you know everyone is just so busy and has gigs and so each week, it just it blows my mind that I'm like, hi, good to meet you when we get there. There's no rehearsal. Right. You know, and then, you know, they, they play the songs and then we'll get requests and they just know that and they're like, oh, I've never heard this, but sure, we'll play it. And, you know, sometimes I, I know being an audience member, you just want to have fun and not really know what goes on behind the scenes. But I'm like, do you understand that these people haven't heard this song that they're playing? Not even like, oh, they've never played it before. They haven't even heard it and they're killing it you know so it's definitely it's really really fun when you get to you know get up on stage and play with players like that yeah and they're they're not as common as nashville would make you believe they are Uh, i know no that's what i'm saying well and that's the thing is like i have played with so many bands where honestly i was really awful too but i have played in bands where the level of musicianship was very very low and that was including myself and so i think that's part of what makes me so grateful when we play with these guys and i'm just like this is crazy like you're just off the road with tim mcgrar you're just (laughs) off the road whoever like you know and you're playing with me like that's so cool and it just you know it definitely makes the music fun because it i mean first of all it's sounds awesome but you know you feel more free to jam and take risks in your playing and everyone's dancing and yeah it's definitely it's a really cool thing that I we think have that here translates in a freshness to the music to people listening too because mm-hmm. if you've got four or five players together and they're playing songs that maybe two of them have heard and communicated in a way that hey we can get this started and then we're going to figure yeah. it out as we go Yes. You're not going to get note for note renditions you're you're no, not gonna no, get, no, you're not, not going to get pure it, covers no, it's definitely not note for note renditions. We don't. I, some bands do. Like I said, some yeah. some bands definitely if they have a regular slot, but we don't do that. And so, yeah. But like you're saying, it's a really fun thing because you get some really cool moments and really cool jams and really cool parts. And you're saying it's part of the live show, you know, experience. It's not, you know, a tribute band. Um, right. We're just taking people's requests and going with the flow of the show. And so there's something that's really cool about that because it's different every night. Every, every night. And sometimes yeah. with the same players, it's different every night because yeah. <laughs> that's, that's another podcast for another time. That's uh, another podcast. Yeah. So, so you've been doing this for a little while now. You've been in Nashville since. We'll be right back. This podcast is supported in part by String Joy Strings. I'm a snob. At least that's what people tell me. I'm never okay with good enough, and that's where Stringjoy strings come in. They're better than good enough. They're the best. Stringjoy are making some of the finest strings available today right up the road from me in Nashville, Tennessee. They offer custom sets, balanced tension, coated strings, the works. If you need it, they can probably make it happen. You should be using Stringjoy strings, and if you're going to order from them, you really could help this podcast out by clicking the affiliate link down in the description or show notes below. You get amazing strings, I get a little bit of that back to help the show keep going. It's a win-win situation. Get your Stringjoy strings today. Um, for six years. Six years. So I'm like, what year? I, I always forget that last year happened. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I completely wiped like, last you know year from I mean? my memory. I'm just, I have no sense of time anymore. No. I'm like, what? I'm like, last year doesn't count as a year, right? <laughs> and yeah, I catch myself all the time. It's like, you know, three years ago, oh, that was four because 2020 actually happened. That wasn't right. our collective nightmare. Um, I know. It's so weird. I still think this year is 2020, <laughs> probably because we're not totally out of it. It's like when I write yeah. the day, it's terrible. Whatever. We don't need to talk about that. Uh, yeah. I <laughs> Early on in the podcast, I, I definitely talked about COVID more than I'd like to. Of course, now we're starting to see it creep back in, like yes. Delta variant and all that. So I'm, I'm, I have some real anxiety as to what that's going to mean for live music here in the next few months. Um, I do too. Yeah. yeah. 
So you make your living as a musician, singer, yes. songwriter, player. Yes. Um, yes. So last year was definitely rough. Let's talk about last year a little bit. So yes, got to be what it was the impetus for you to get on Instagram and start doing something a little different. So talk about the, how that yeah. happened. Yeah. So basically, um, you know, my band had a really great year, um, in 2019. I mean, every, every year, you know, it's fun. And every year you learn, but like I said, it's been about five, six years, um, for us. And so we'd really gotten to the point where we were starting to play festivals and, you know, open for big acts like Jason Aldean and Tim McGraw. And we were just having so much fun out on the road and, you know, you have your day jobs and finally you're like, I'm making a living at it doing shows. And so 2019 was just it, it was just for us personally, it was like a really great year. We were releasing music. It just felt like we were on a roll. Everything was going really well. And then 2020, <laughs> you know, came and, and we, I mean, I remember the very last show we did, it was St. Patrick's day show and they almost canceled it, but they were really kind and they didn't, you know, and, and that was the last show we played. And of course, you know, the festivals <laughs> that we had booked for, you know, that spring and summer got canceled as they had to be. Um, but, you know, we were still disappointed because that was what we were doing and what we were focusing on. Um, and we always, you know, believed in the music and the power of music. And, and we just loved playing it live. You know, neither of us were big fans of social media. We just didn't really care. We were on there because we had to be, but we just weren't passionate about it. Um, you know, and so we were like, well, we're just going to keep focusing, you know, on what we can, which is songwriting, you know, recording and playing shows and, you know, just leave social media out of it pretty much. Right. And then when all of that, you know, studios got taken away from us and, and the live shows got taken away from us, we were like, and all we have left now is social media. <laughs> um, and so we decided to start live streaming and so actually there was a rumor on Facebook that they had announced that they weren't going to let you like play covers on there anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And that was like a rumor. And so we were really worried. And so, um, I only had like a couple followers on my YouTube channel. I just, you know, I had like, I don't know, three or four or five guitar videos on there, just a couple. Um, and none of them had really done very well. I did do a cover of Brad Paisley's the nervous breakdown, which like he announced, but it still didn't have, you know, very many views, nothing. I, everything I posted was just like a hundred views, you know, um, nothing did very well. And so, but it was like for, for YouTube to be able to live stream on there, you had to get a thousand subscribers. Um, and so I had the goal of, let me put up some guitar content and try to get to a thousand subscribers. So that way, if Facebook goes away, we have another way to connect our audience. And we tried Twitch and we started TikTok. And so that was actually kind of the first thing is I started posting guitar videos on TikTok and, you know, got like a million views and half a million views on some stuff. Um, and then, you know, Instagram came out with reels. Um, so I was like, well, maybe, you know, try that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, but it all, it all came from this place of, well, I can't, I can't play live. Like now what? So I actually, one of my friends taught me how to record last year. We were like quarantining together for a little, we were, you know, the pod. Yeah. Um, and so kind of when it was like, you know, safer in June, you know, he spent a couple days like teaching me how to record. So I built like, you know, just a really, really, really tiny home studio, AKA just a laptop and an Apollo twin to plug my guitar into, you know, but I started learning how to do that. Um, and then, yeah, I just, I was like, well, if I can't play, like, you know, I really want to practice. So I actually started taking a lot of guitar lessons last year, which was so much fun. I got to do it, you know, on, on zoom because of that, but it was still really awesome. And I got to take with some really great people, um, who were in LA who play for like really big acts and play on SNL and all this cool stuff. And they all taught me some great things. And then I continued it. I'm still taking guitar lessons right now with a really amazing guitarist in Nashville. And so that was one of the most fun things for me is that, you know, it was sad to be off the road, but also it gave me time to have all of these hours to a learn how to record and b practice. And, you know, sometimes with guitar playing, if you're a guitar player, you probably understand this, that, you get to a point where you plateau and your level is kind of the same. And it's really easy to just keep playing the same thing over and over. And the chords that, you know, you just keep playing those. And if you know one pentatonic scale, you just keep playing that. Um, And that's good. That's great. There's nothing wrong with that. But I thought, well, since I have some time, let me see if I can learn more, you know, let me see if I can advance my playing a little bit. So between the guitar videos and just, you know, my passion for guitar and having the time to learn more, it was definitely a really fun journey to do that. So, yeah. I think that's, that's something that a lot of people who see guitarists on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, 
wherever they happen to see them, whether they are pros making a living doing it or they're demo uh, folks demoing pedals or, mm-hmm. um, but it's, uh, you know, especially in the videos you do where you recreate some, some pretty classic uh, sounds and solos and, and yeah. licks from, um, and also, I mean, that Brad Paisley solo is no slouch either. That, that tune is something. Took me serious. two years to learn. Yes. That is, that yeah. is something serious. <laughs> so uh, to do that, this, uh, you know, they they think oh they're a guitar player they can just do that no 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 that takes yeah. lots of time to make sure you've got that sound you've got that solo then yeah. hitting record um they think yeah. everyone does it in one take yeah <laughs> I wish that were true I really yeah. like at my level it's dozens if not hundreds sometimes so yeah um and taking lessons during the the pandemic is something I think a lot of people have done and I sh- I should have taken more advantage of it is. Uh, to to do Zoom lessons because you know I'm I'm in Starkville, Mississippi. There are some good mm-hmm. guitar players around here, but I'm not mm-hmm. finding like the 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 world class teachers that are you know Nashville or or L A or um you know if you're really into jazz, New York. But other than that, mm-hmm. but, um, and it's something I probably will take more advantage of because I think we're going to see more and more guitar teachers and, and not just guitar. Yeah. I, I saw a lot on TikTok of vocal teachers taking students over Zoom, and that's. Just, mm-hmm blew my mind and i, I need oh I ta- i've been taking vocal lessons but like you're saying it's the teacher in la and yeah. a teacher in new york and so it's all it's always for me in online yeah that is see that's i that i think is going to be and i i said this to someone yesterday i don't want to call anything about the pandemic a silver lining there there's yeah. no, it's been terrible but i think some of the shifts in thinking are going to be good things like you know there's so much more we could be doing online or musicians like for example my i got a gig tonight I'm playing, mm-hmm. I'm going to put, I put up a chalkboard that has my Venmo and my, you know, cash yeah. app, you know, yeah. cause nobody carries cash. And for a while that meant that tips in a, in a bucket weren't great. And, and right. but now here you go, here's, here's a way you can PayPal me, you know, if you Absolutely. need to. Um, it's, it's a completely different ball game for musicians. Uh, yeah. And of course, as, as I said, before we started y'all, if you haven't checked out Dominique on in Instagram, I don't know how you've missed it. Um, she popped up on my, my feed, uh, a while back, actually on my personal one before I started the, um, I think before I started or was doing a lot with the podcasts, uh, Instagram, which my, my poor dust covered personal Instagram is just not getting anything anymore. Cause I just only do the podcast. I can only handle so much social media. Like I, I totally understand. You would be shocked at for, I guess, how relatively active I am on social media, how, like you're saying, it's very difficult to keep up with the content. Yes. Uh, and especially with one that's gotten so much, um, so much traction in such a short amount of time like yours. Yeah. Um, and, and like I said, uh, and I initially knew I had to get you on the podcast. First of all, you're, you're a hell of a player. Um, I, I heard some of the stuff you were doing with the band and it sounded great. I was like, okay, awesome. But then I'm also seeing like people don't take it well when people on Instagram are good at something. And like some people get there, there's some things that pop in there. Uh, and I saw some, like some negative comments. I'm like, what is negative here? Like, what is your deal? I get, I get so mad. I'm, I, I've got a friend of mine, Emily Harris with the get offset podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, it shows me some of the hate she gets and some of the demos she does and some of the podcast stuff. I'm like, what is wrong with people and social media? That's the other side of social media that makes it hard for me to do too much is that sometimes there can be this really negative culture. Um, mm-hmm. I'd imagine you, you see a whole lot of that. And um, just cause it's, it's the more followers you have, the more haters you're going to have. Cause that's just how this works. Yeah. Uh, so far I haven't gotten any haters. They say you've made it when you get some real haters. So, um, well, then I've definitely made it. <laughs> God, no, I, I, yeah, I think I understand. I mean, sure, some people are going to be negative, and that's okay if not everyone likes what I do. I mean, I don't like everything that everyone else does. Like, that's a good thing. You know, my mom always says that we, it would be such a boring world if we were all the same and we all had the same opinions, you know, and hopefully, like you're saying, it's much better to be respectful of people right. and not express that. But I do understand that, you know, on the videos that I'm doing, it's like some people are like, well, you're not playing live. And I understand, you know, on like my, um, I did a cover of Johnny Be Good and it does look like it's not 
synced quite right. And it's so interesting because I just sat there and played it live through the amp, which is there. And But, you know, we did plug a little microphone <laughs> into the phone. And so it's picking up a little of that. Um, and so I'm like, well, I, I don't, I don't know, to be honest, that much about technology, but I understand, you know, there's so many fake things out there that people are like, well, I don't understand. I don't know. And, you know, a lot of people, when they think you're fake playing, you're like, look at the fingers. I mean, it's, even if it's, you know, milliseconds off, I mean, that would actually be really challenging to fake play a song. If you could fake play a song, you can real play a song. Absolutely. I don't know what would be fake about it, to be honest, unless it's just like, a little better tone or something, but that cracks me up too, because to me, I'm like, guys, my tone is, you know, I'm trying the best that I can, but I don't have the most pedals. I come from classical guitar. I've always felt like my tone was to be lacking and it's something that I'm working on. And so, you know, people are like, Oh, it's the same. And I'm like, I didn't match the tone. I hear all the differences. <laughs> right. And frankly, to me, that's a compliment that you think it's the same because I can hear the large discrepancies, you know, but that's, that's really awesome that you think it's that close to the original. I've, I've discovered in playing in cover bands over the years that, a lot of times, even guitarists, so guitarists are, are what I consider the more informed audience for your guitar playing, you know, because mm-hmm. they know. Yes. And yes. On, the, on the milliseconds off thing, not only is it difficult to fake play the solo, and we're not mm-hmm. talking Ralph Macchio pretending to play Steve Vai's licks in Crossroads, you know, like he, right. did, he did a great job, but a guitarist knows that it's not legit. Like a guitarist right. can watch it and know that it's not legit. No, no, of no. course. If you can fake play three milliseconds off a video for the entire solo it's like right come on guys it's it's a it's an encoding thing it's just the audio right. and the video didn't quite sync right right and i know there's some things you know if the backing tracks are loud like i said you know it's it's just so hard to explain the whole process to everyone i'm like sometimes i di and record through pro tools and i'm playing it but i'm like i don't have those pedals i don't have a fuzz pedal so i had to use it you know in pro yeah. tools that was the only way i could get that sound but it didn't just magically happen. I still had to play it and then add the fuzz and then honestly take a lot longer to get tones, you know? Um, but like I said, I, I don't, there's no point in just trying to explain it to everyone. And I no. feel like I'm more passionate about like anyone who just wants to learn about the recording process or making their own videos or, you know, playing live or DIing and running through Pro Tools. Like I'm happy to answer any questions about that. Not that I am an expert, but you know, I always want to help those people. Cause I'm like, I remember what it's like. <laughs> You know, when I was trying to figure out how do you turn on the camera? I don't get it. This is all terrible. Uh, but it's, it doesn't take long, especially in the beginning, just like in anyone learning an instrument or learning a new skill. Um, mm-hmm. You learn a lot very quickly in the beginning. And so yes. it doesn't take long before you have expertise that brand new beginners know. I've already started getting people asking me about podcasting. I'm like, you realize I've been doing this for seven months, right? Eight, yeah. eight months, whatever it is now, like. Yeah, I, I change something every time because I'm learning something new. I learned a new mastering technique or I learned a new uh, yeah. way to get noise out of microphones. Or like when I started the podcast, I was doing phone calls and the audio mm. was terrible. Mm-hmm. And I had to learn mm-hmm. how to filter all of that out. Oh, wow. And so you, you learn these things. And the tone thing, even with guitar players, I find if you get the notes right, if you get the feel right, yeah. Most people don't realize the tone isn't the same. Like, yes, they, they, they just as long as you've got the feel and, and the the, the emotion, well, that's such a cheesy cliche thing to say, the emotion. No, I know. But yeah. you get what I'm saying. You conveyed yeah. the message the way it was meant to be conveyed. They don't totally. notice that your voice isn't pitched the same as the original. You know, it's it, right. It's it's wild. It's it's really, really interesting that way. Um, but having said that. And we do talk about gear in this podcast occasionally. Yes. Let's talk gear because you are you're starting oh to get gosh. really into gear. I saw you got an I H9 am. recently. Yes. Look, it's right here. I was <laughs> recording with it. I'm going to unplug it. Oh. Yeah. It's such a cool unit. I had one for a it's while. A and then, yes. then I had a moment where I was like, I'm selling everything. I'm going to go down <gasps> to bare bones and... Now I'm slowly accumulating wow. things again. It, okay. it, it's a it's a terrible disease. Again, I told you it's a ter- yeah. what happens is I accumulate the little things, right? Because okay. I can spare a hundred bucks here, you know, hundred and fifty there buying pedals over and over and over again. Then all yeah. of a sudden I'm like, hmm, I really want this guitar. I've got all these pedals I could sell. 
Yeah. And so I sell all the pedals, buy the guitar, then I start buying pedals again. <laughs> it's like, it's so bad. It's so bad. I get that. No, it's so hard. It's like you're saying when you sell gear, you know, last year, um, the reason I did that Johnny be good video with the guitar that I did it with is because I was going to sell that guitar because before this, like I said, I was playing shows, but I was also driving for Lyft and Uber. That was like, you know, my, my day job, although it was more a night job. Um, and I was like, I don't have any money and I'm not driving. So I'm going to sell, you know, this old Epiphone. And so I was like, but before I sell it, I want to do like one video with it. And it was really funny because it was my first video, you know, that got a million on YouTube and a million on TikTok and stuff. And I was like, well, I can't sell it now. (laughs) And I was like, also, it sounds so good, you know. Um, But yeah, it's so funny because I was like, if I had sold it, I definitely would be trying to buy it back right now. That's interesting because I find that with guitar players, a guitar never sounds as good as the day before you're going to sell it. It (laughs) I think you're right. I think you're right. It's very true. Uh, I never want a guitar more than the day before I'm about to either ship it off or sell it to somebody. Yes. So I pretty much don't sell guitars much anymore. It's like yeah. guitars I get really attached to. That's why this addiction like happens. I get that. Um, so you got the H9, uh, which is got the like H9. Swiss Army knife does everything. So I got the H9 um, because one of the guys we're recording with, he records on like all of country radio, basically. I mean, just so many sessions like every day in Nashville and like the list of number ones he's played on is just insane. You know, everything from Sam Hunt, Luke Combs, Tim Tim McGrasta, you know, just all this stuff. Um, And he's just a really amazing player. And so he had it and he used it um, on our single called Stubborn Woman and I was just like, what is this pet? Like, it sounds so good, you know? Um, and so I ended up buying it and I, you know, I wasn't sure, honestly, because it's a, it's a pretty expensive pedal and mm-hmm. it does a lot and there's an app and stuff, which I love the technology part of it. But I, like I said, I'm, you know, still a little bit of a newbie to gear. So I wasn't sure if it's going to be as good as people have told me. Um, and it has exceeded my expectations, which is insane for how much I expected from it in the first place, right. you know, but like I said, all like, not all, but I mean, a, a lot of my <laughs> friends who go on tour with major acts, they're using it. Studio guys are using it. And so I was like, okay, if all these people have it, there must be something to it. You know, literally the first, I li- I just, I opened it up and I used it in a session two days ago <laughs> and oh. I don't, you know, I'm still learning the pedal and that's how good it is that I was just able to, you know, take it out of the box um, and go. See. And it's really cool. I found when I had mine, um, all the effects are good. All of them are top notch. uh, Mm -hmm. But the rotary sound on that thing, that rotating speaker still haunts me. And it may be the reason I end up buying another one is just for the rotary speaker sound. Well, and because, like I said, it's a, it's, you know, it has a lot of technology in it um, with all the algorithms and stuff. And it has the app. My friend that's a session player actually sent me all his settings, which was very, very sweet of him. Um, it's just so generous because I know he, it, it took him a really long time to come up with all these things. And so it's really, really awesome. Like yeah. I said, I'm, I'm never giving it away. No, <laughs> I'm just it, as long as I can. It's going to end up being it. my, my switch. I'm going to end up getting one again just cause yeah. I, I'm going to have to. All right. Now I use the HX stomp as a Swiss army knife pedal oh. to do a lot of things. And yes. I, I think it's great. But mm-hmm. I am a rotating speaker junkie. I used to actually play live with a, a Leslie 16, which is like the, it's basically the wow. vibratone. It was the precursor wow. to vibratone. But it's, oh, like, wow. it's like carrying a, 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 you know, a dorm fridge with you every time you go on, on top yeah. of your amp. It's like, yeah. it just got to be too much. And, and That's a lot. Yeah. yeah. I, and I don't like the rotating sound on the HX Stomp as much as I liked it on the H9. Um, mm, and I can't imagine yeah. in Nashville because, you know, I, I've played here where I get to drive my vehicle and park right next to the loading dock, you know, the loading door of the venue I'm playing. Whereas I was yeah. there last week and I'm watching a guy uh, wheel his amp guitar and pedal board, you know, four yeah. blocks away to get to his gig. And I'm like, ah, at no. least four blocks. Yeah. We all wheel at least four blocks. <laughs> <laughs> it's awful. It's yeah. I couldn't do it. I, I, I've done festivals where I've played. Uh, playing with multiple bands or I'm playing multiple uh-huh. sets in different places. You know, I'm at the outdoor stage at one and then I've got yeah. this indoor gig at this yeah, place. Yeah. At, yeah. And it's, you can't drive your car. So you've yeah. got to have a, a dolly. I bought one of those. Uh, yeah. And I, I should put a, post a picture on Instagram, but I bought one of those. I went to Lowe's and bought one of those like metal garden carts that has like, yeah. the, 
It's phenomenal. It's the fold up or just the regular one. This is the regular one. It doesn't fold up, but you can take the, um, so it's heavy. It's big. Um, Mm -hmm. you need a bigger vehicle if you're going to use it. I had Mm. a pickup truck at the time, so it was great. Mm. Now I don't have a pickup truck. It's not so great, but, um, but, but I highly recommend them. It's got, it's got, instead of hard Mm. plastic tires, it's got the big inflatable rubber tires. So it can go over every terrain. Uh, I'll post a picture. I'll go out to my, my shop and take a picture and put it on Instagram, but it's, that's awesome. It was game changer for those kinds of events. But now I don't. I just, with the exception of one venue I play that has like the stairs of death. Um, stairs of death. Oh, it's so bad. There are, you know, I haven't played Nashville. I've never, I've never played a gig in Nashville. Oh, wow. Um, okay. Which is weird. You know, I lived in Murfreesboro, played a few things over in Murfreesboro, but yeah. never played in Nashville. Are there okay. a lot of venues with stairs? Is that still a, a pretty common theme? Um, yes, but we just use the elevator to load. Yeah, that must I've never be had nice. to use. The stairs, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, that's why I go to the gym so I can carry my amp. (laughs) Woo! It's the only reason. So, so amp, I've seen, I see the one next to you. Is uh, is that your main amp? That's my only amp. Okay, I don't have another one. Oh, (laughs) see, you are, you're, you're, you are still just getting into this. Just wait, the amp journey is crazier than the guitar accumulation. Like, even if you think you've got the amp, yes, inevitably you want another one and another. Yes. So, what are you playing through now? So this is a third power amp. It's a third power Wooly Coats and it's custom. Yes, I love it so much. So it kind of, a lot of people think it's a box because it, it looks like a box. Um, sure. I had it, you know, made like that. Um, but yeah, I just love it so much. It's got a really great like reverb sound and you can just get all these different tones on it. And um, it's honestly everything I ever need, you know, and, uh, yeah, I, I've used it literally at every gig for the past five years, everything oh, wow. from like little bars to giant festivals. And so it's really stuck with me to, to my videos, really. Yeah. Like I said, I haven't used anything else. I'm like, Hey, if it's working and sounding great, why would I ever want anything else? But I'm very loyal. This is the first year that I've ever even had like more than a couple of guitars. <laughs> you know i'm always just like hey i just want to like if i have a guitar i'm going to play that guitar and like use it all the time and you know i never want to just a bunch of guitars sitting around so now that i have like 10 guitars i try to rotate them like every day so they all get their turn yeah and uh it's also why i do i try to do you know so many guitar giveaways because i'm like i want guitars to be played like it's cool you know i know some people actually my uncle has a really great like vintage guitar collection um although he doesn't play guitar but i know some people have guitars that just sit there but you know, I want them. I feel like they deserve to, they deserve love. They deserve music. And so I never want them to just be sitting. And that's the thing. Once you have, you, you reach a point with your guitars where you're like, I I talked, I'll talk to some players and they're like, Oh, I think I still have that Telecaster. It's in its case in a storage unit somewhere. And I'm like, right. I can't stand to have my guitars in cases where I can't just pick them up and play at any moment. Like me too. I, I like to have them next to me where I can just grab one and just start playing plug in. And yeah. so once, once a guitar has relegated to a case and it's in a corner, that's when I'm yeah. like, maybe it's time to get rid of that guitar. If I agree, if I don't, if I don't want to play it so much that I put it away in a case, maybe it's time to change some things. So yeah. Um, the third power is a company that sort of jumped on my radar recently. Um, mm-hmm. they're Nashville based if I'm correct. Yes. And, mm-hmm. um, uh, they're woman owned, which is fantastic. That's another, yes. it, not a lot of that in the industry. It's nice to see that starting to pop up and see a little yeah. more representation in the industry. Yes. Um, but yeah. on top of that, I'm seeing them on stage with some monster players. Yeah. And I, I've yet to play one cause I have not come across one yet. They're not in a lot of dealers, obviously that I, right. and so my goal is to play a couple next time I go to Nashville. Not that I need another amp, but yeah, you should. You should go see Delana because, like you're saying, it's they are just flying off the shelves. Like, I, there's this, you, you know, just everyone wants them because they sound so good. Yeah. You know, like you're saying, it's that thing where, you know, people who are playing professionally and, you know, they love them and they want that, you know, so other people see them and they're like, yep, I need that too, you know. Yeah. I need, I need to try to get her on the podcast. Not that she has all the time in the world or anything, but I should. Yeah, no, you should. She knows her stuff. Yeah. I mean, so much. I love seeing it. I love uh, from the first time I I like the aesthetic of them. I'm an aesthetic person. Me too. It's gotta, it's gotta look good too. You know, some people are like, Mm -hmm. oh, if it sounds good, that's all that matters. No, it's like, I have, I have this bad trait and I'm going to see if you're like this. Yes. Um, Okay. Now you play a combo, which makes it a little easier. So imagine you didn't play a combo. Imagine oh. you had a head and a cap. Yeah, yeah. I have to have the head and cab match. 
Like, yeah, I was like, I already know my answer. Yeah, they've got a match. I like, I if, if I've got a, uh, I I do. I have a two rock amp. I have to have a two rock cab. Like it, it has to right. match the aesthetic. Um, right. I mean, if you've seen my Instagram, you know that I can't even deal with my guitars not matching my shirt. So <laughs> I don't know how I would deal. Yeah, exactly. With not matching. No, but it's fine. It's like you're saying, it's definitely not something that's very common in guitar world because um, it's always been a very male dominated world. Not that, you know, guys don't care. Sure. But um, for the most part, you know, they don't as much. And so it's been really funny, actually, how many people have commented like, hey, I love that, you know, your clothes match your guitar. Hey, I love that your clothes match your guitar. I was like, that's really funny. I was just doing that because I like matching, but right. people yeah. have really caught on to it. Yeah, people notice it. It, it definitely, um, it's an interesting aesthetic. And, and you know, the funny daddies are like, oh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. When you're yeah. on stage, especially in a music town like Nashville, yeah, uh, appearance is part of the ball game. It it just mm-hmm. it, it's sort of like I tell people all the time. Uh, this is so this is so dumb and this is so minor, but it's like I won't play a gig in shorts. I see it all the mm-hmm. time, and I'm like, I won't do it. Yeah, I don't, I don't play a gig in shorts. Right. It 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 just doesn't it. It looks like you were on vacation and you found you wandered into a blues jam, and yeah. you know. I, it frustrates me. It's dumb. I'm going to get tons of hate for saying that. I know someone's going to be so mad that I'm like, I wear short. And they're, they're going to reference like uh pop punk from like the nineties where they so all I was going to say, I was like, right on chili peppers. That would be, that yeah. would work. Some of the they, California bands. Exactly. That's a totally different aesthetic. You know, yes. I get it. Like if that's your thing and you're wild on stage and like, especially some of those uh, chili pepper style bands and some of the, the, the pop punk, you know, the, I'm not even going to name a band and embarrass myself and pretend I know pop punk, but yeah. I do remember it was a thing and it was energetic, right? Totally. Yeah. While totally. everybody else was listening to that in the nineties, I was listening to Willie Nelson records. I'm such a, I'm so old. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. My, my first music was, I was real young, you know, ignoring radio, like my first active listening experience Yeah. Okay. was, was my, my mom and stepdad had a record player, eight track player, and it had sitting in a closet like it wasn't even hooked up. So I mm-hmm. figured out how to hook it up Had you know, mm-hmm. I'm like nine, 10 years old, mm-hmm. hooking up wires that, you know, I didn't mm-hmm. know if they'd kill me. Uh, yeah. Turns out they won't. But and like, <laughs> turns the, out they- yeah, it turns out they won't. And the first thing I listened to was Willie Nelson, Redheaded Stranger, like on record on vinyl. And it was wow. great. That was my first active. I can remember because I didn't even take the stereo out of the closet to set it up. I set it up mm-hmm. in the closet. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like sitting there in the closet listening to Willie Nelson and Merle yeah. Haggard. And they had a Leonard Skinner eight track that I was listening to. And yeah, so I was that, I was that guy in like all of high school. Everybody's getting into like Blink 182 and Green Day. And uh, the Nirvana thing was just sort of on the tail end just before, uh, Kurt died. We'll just leave it at that. We'll yeah. we'll let y'all all say how he died to yourselves. Um, but it was I didn't get into any of that, and so musically yeah. I was into like country and rock and roll, and I discovered the wow. Black Crows and changed my world. And then I discovered blues, which is crazy that I had to discover blues. I'm from Clarksdale, Mississippi. Y- you know that's funny. Yeah, I had to discover blues, and I discovered it through seeing Johnny Lang on the Disney Channel, and then all of a sudden Johnny referenced BB King, and I'm like. I know that name. That's from, you know, from down the road. And it, it, was, it wow. was weird getting into music as a kid in the nineties. Um, yeah. Who wasn't into that whole power punk thing. I, I went on a major divergent just there I love for a it. second. So you guys are in the studio. Y'all are recording now. Mm-hmm. You're working yeah. on a new full length album or EP. Um, no, we're yeah. EP. Okay. We're just doing a few songs. Yeah. So, um, got a tentative release date or y'all just kind of just as it comes going free flow? Yeah, as it comes. I mean, I think we've done the, you know, we've released a couple of EPs before and we've done the big, you know, release and lead up to it. And so this time, you know, we really just want to make sure that we get the music right and we take as much time in the studio as we need to just really love it and be happy with it. And we are really happy so far. So I actually think it's going to be a pretty fast process. Um, but we just don't want to, you know, put, we're not putting it out there just to put it out there. Sure. You know, like I said, we just want to, we want to really love it when we do. So I think too, these days it's, you know, most people don't have a big like lead up time with releases. It's, you know, especially with the world of TikTok and we are really active on there 
And so it's like, you know, you kind of just um, play your song over and over and, you know, see how people react to it. And, and if there's not a great response and you go on to the next one and you go on to the next one, you know, rather than the kind of like, Hey, you know, my song is coming out in a month, pre-save it now. Like, I don't know about other people, but personally I don't have that attention span, you know, even if it's for Ariana Grande or Carrie Underwood, like I only want to know, I'll, I'll take it two days before, (laughs) you know, like I want to know on Thursday before new music Friday that it's coming out. And that's, you know, cause we're just hit with so much content all the time that I'm not going to remember it. Um, I'm sure marketing people have, you know, a different spin on it because it's actually their job. But just as a fan of music, when I like to see, you know, other people's stuff, I, if it's more than a week before, I just won't remember, you know. That's, that's an interesting take because I agree. It's like I, I have this mentality and I, I do this at work too and it drives some of my staff crazy. Um, I, you know, I'll give them a heads up like a month out, say something's happening or say I've got a gig, mm-hmm. like this, this mm-hmm. gig I've got tonight. Right. Um but then I'm not going to like mention it until mm. like the day before. Mm-hmm. Right. Because mm-hmm. I know that some people like to pretend they plan their life super in advance, but let's yeah. be honest. Most people actually don't. Right. They, they pretend they do now. That right. You, you do end up with that percent. That's like, Oh, I already had dinner plans or, Oh, I, I was doing yeah. this other thing. But for the most part, you know, there's a lot of us that decide what we're doing Friday night on Friday afternoon. <laughs> That's true. So, um, I, I, I love, I'm, I'm going to start just calling it the Taylor Swift model of just yeah. all of a sudden releasing it. Like don't yes. warn anybody just, Oh, Hey, new music today. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. And you know, when she put out music, I listened because I love her and I love her music and I wanted to hear it, you know? Exactly. And when I hear about something, and of course, we're, we're talking a major star here, but when you hear yeah. that it's out, you want to be able to experience it then. Like, because yeah. all of a sudden they've got your attention right now. Yeah. They need it to be well, available. Right. And the TikTok whole thing, you know, is you just put up some of the chorus or some of the verse and say, hey, you know, help me blow this up. Hey, you know, if, if I get a certain amount of views on this video, like, then I'll release it for you guys, you know, on Spotify, which like, again, I think that's a cool thing too, because it's sometimes, you know, so hard to try to get people to like your music. And, you know, I heard even with, um, Megan, the stallion, yeah. uh, with, it wasn't mop. It was the first one was savage. It was like, you know, she had a, a full EP and she was signed and they were trying to figure out which single to push. And they had the one that they thought <laughs> was the single and TikTok said, hey, let us like just show it to people and just put it up on the app and see which one people like. And, you know, the one that ended up working was Savage. And then they said, hey, can we push this instead of the one that you guys want to be the single? And they said, OK. And obviously that worked out, you know, very well for her, you yeah. know. And so it's like she just did her part. She wrote the song. She made the music. But then you don't get to decide, you know, what people connect with and what they hold on to and what they feel like serves them. And that's the whole point of music anyway. It's all, you know, a give and take. Welcome to the world of art. Just art. In yes. General. You get to yes. make it, but you don't get to decide what it means like right and you don't get to decide you know if it's if it's popular or not and that's funny it's like you had mentioned before with my guitar videos some people were upset you know that they're they're short and they're like please post longer ones you know and I like I said I don't want to tell everyone everything but it's like I have posted longer ones and no one watches them which is why <laughs> I don't post more of them you know and it's like that's why I'm like I play shows for four hours you know come out to see that um, I do play for a really long time it's not that I just play for 15 seconds at a time but it's that the it that kind of content doesn't seem to work and so I don't post it because if people don't want to see it you know then what's the point I play for eight hours by myself all the time every day you know um but it's definitely yeah a really interesting world of social media it and I've I've seen that with like take the take the podcast episodes away because I do put the podcast up on YouTube obviously Mm -hmm. uh and mainly the reason I do that is because I started using StreamYard because the audio is better than the phone calls I was using. Right. The audio is better than Zoom. It's better than a lot of the others. Um, But, you know, most people aren't sitting and watching this podcast for an hour. And I understand. Right. But even in my demos, like I'll do, I'll do, which I don't have a lot up. I have some up on another channel that is now mostly hidden just because. And your social media. Yes. So, um, uh, sorry, y'all, we had a little bit of a technology 
uh, hiccups. Little so glitch. If, yeah, just a little glitch. If you hear uh, like an obvious break in there, that's what happened. If you noticed me in the middle of a sentence, it happens. Um, welcome to the wonderful world of technology. Uh, we talked mm. about recording in triplicate now because <laughs> you never know. That's right. Um, but the um, I, I did demos and like if you go more than like five, six, seven minutes on the demo of a product, people aren't watching it. Like right. And so I found that like the one minute I do something on TikTok or I do something on uh, YouTube Shorts or I do something on Instagram way more traction than like the five, six minute thing or the right. seven, eight minute thing. Cause people don't want to sit that long. People just don't. Right. We have the diminishing, uh, uh, attention spans that are, are, you know, three generations ago warned us that TV was going to give us. I know sure. it's here. It's here. It's absolutely here. So we have been talking actually a while. So that glitch actually happened right, right near the end. I know you've got to get to back to some, doing some recording. You were, I do. Yeah. You were recording to like one in the morning last night or something like that. Or yeah. We actually ended up not leaving until two. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, of course, you know, me 10 years ago would have been like, Oh, the party's just getting started at one or two. We're just getting, I going. Know. now I'm like, Oh my gosh, that is so late. <laughs> I, I'm so old. Uh, so we're going to let you get back to doing, um, Getting some records done. I'm going to ask okay. you, I'm going to get a couple of hot takes. I don't normally do a lot of questions, Blake Wyland, if you listen to this, because um, Blake Wyland has some classic questions he likes to ask at the end of his podcast. But okay. since I was just in Nashville, I'm going to ask, we're just going to do a couple of hot takes. Don't think cool. too hard about it, because I have a point I'm trying to make, and I'm going to be very okay. sad okay. If, if you go the opposite. <laughs> okay. Best hot chicken in Nashville. Um, I'm vegan. Oh no. <laughs> oh, see, that's going to be, I did. I knew that that was going to be what ended up catching it. That's okay. So, um, but I always tell everyone Hattie B's. My sister came into town and she tried it and she, she absolutely loved it. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a princess fan. I love princes. I get it. Because I like to feel like my mouth is melting and, yeah. and that's what their heat does. I, yeah. I was vegan for two years actually. And, um, I if did, you like. Well, I guess, yeah, if you like hot chicken and you're vegan, um, we have a really good place. I'm totally blanking. I was like, it's not Bushroom B. It's in East Nashville. Oh, my gosh. I cannot remember the name of it right now. Um, they they make seitan and they make, um, like, vegan cheese, like coconut stuff. And it they sell it on Whole Foods. And I'm the beehive. Oh. I was like, it's not Bushroom B. The beehive. And they actually have a little shop on Gallatin. And they have vegan hot chicken. And so I'm going to go with that. I know no one else would say that answer. But like I said, my sister went to like actually Hattie B's and then we had that back to back and she really loved both of them. So sure. Um, yeah, I, I'm a princess fan. Uh, I, like I said, I did I did the vegan thing for two years and it was it was very health related. It wasn't like an yes. animal thing. That's Not, mine, too. Yeah, because yeah. it's it is a much healthier way to eat if you do it right. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I'm not 100 percent vegan, but like 99 and like you're saying it's for health reasons. Yeah. I, I did discover a lot of things when I was vegan that I did not think I would like. Um, I mm -hmm. tell people all the time that I think soy ice cream is better than regular ice cream. I just do. So good. It is so very, very good and so much better for you than, yeah. than all that. Um, last thing though, uh, cause we're talking okay. gear. We're going to, we're going to wrap this up. So you're just, you're, you're in the gear journey. You're, you're yes. buying pedals. Um, yes. I'm always interested because you have a very interesting assortment of guitars. Like yes. you have everything from like, you know, Strat style stuff and classic stuff to shredder stuff. You've got, yes, you've got one that is like all hot pink. Like, is that right? So oh. that, I, um, I gave that one away. Okay. That was part of a giveaway. Yes. That yeah. was a really cool Dean guitar. I remember seeing that when I was like, that is a statement guitar. That is, yes, it, that screamed eighties to me. Like, yes, um, yes, it did. I, I missed an opportunity a few years ago to buy an Ibanez RG 550 in road flare orange, which I also think is a statement guitar. Wow. It I, is a statement guitar. I'm real sad. I didn't get it, but I'm not a shredder. It would have been total irony for me because I'm yeah. just not a shredder. Yeah. So what is your main guitar? Have you found it yet? Or do you still kind of find what's going to be your voice? Yeah. So I think I have three main guitars. So like I said, for years, I only had 
um, one electric guitar sure. and it was my Fender, um, my Fender American standard. I got it painted white, but it actually came in brown and it has a Wonder Woman on it. Um, and then I have different pickups in it. So I have Vonsco like custom pickups because I really wanted hotter pickups for a telly. So that's the one that I play downtown all the time. That's the one that I've been playing for years. That's like my main guitar. Um, and then I did um, a thing for Fender play with Fender and they gave me a Strat, a single coil Strat. And so I love that one. It's my yellow guitar. It's like the buttercream. So I call her princess buttercup. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I really love that just because I love Strats and I grew up like loving John Mayer and Eric Clapton and Hendrix and like a lot of Absolutely. those, you know, Strat guys. Um, and then my last guitar that I've really been getting like a lot more into um, it's the speed of light guitar. It's a Dean guitar and it's a Michelangelo like signature. And so I've been taking guitar lessons with a guy named Reggie Wooten in Nashville um, um, and he does a lot of like tapping and a lot of whammy bar stuff. Well, I shouldn't say whammy bar, a lot of Floyd Rose stuff. Sure. And so he was like, you need a guitar with a Floyd Rose. So I got that one. Um, and so he was so nice and he set it up for me. It has like sevens on it and it just, it plays amazing. And so I've been using that a lot because the more I get into kind of like sweep arpeggios and like I said, you know, Floyd Rose stuff, the whammy bar and tapping and all of that, it's like, that's the one that I'm practicing on. And, you know, how can I possibly, I can't, I mean, a Floyd Rose is a different guitar. Sevens is a different guitar than a telly. So yeah. I'm still playing the telly all the time. That's my main, you know, gigging guitar. But as I switch over, I'm going to get this one. Um, I need like strap locks and stuff on it before I can actually play it like out. Sure. But it might start becoming my main guitar just because I can do so many more things and the clean tone is amazing which blows my mind you know because you would think oh it's a shredder guitar and it right. looks like a shredder guitar and it is but every time i play clean through it i'm just really shocked at how good the pickup sounds so yeah but my, my favorite guitars in general are fenders i have a bunch of them and i use it for all my recording and everything so i think i guess that under... wasn't a very good answer for one no but... <laughs> no it's fine i think a lot of people underestimate how good the clean tone and some of the shredder my first guitar was a jackson with a floyd rose my first electric yeah, so you yeah. understand yeah it was it was a license it wasn't a great floyd rose so my experience okay. wasn't amazing i tried okay. for a long time to play it but it it was unstable it just wasn't as well made as like the the really good metal uh the way they make the good floyd roses now metal mm -hmm. as in metal not metal as in music listeners right just, so um, also taking lessons from Reggie Wooten is pretty serious, uh, for listeners. <laughs> if you don't know who Reggie Wooten is, please press pause or, yes. you know, we're close to the end. Look it up at the end here. Um, yeah. you've heard the last name before. So, uh, Reggie's, Reggie's a monster player. Uh, He's insane. I've never met he or his brother. I have met, I think it's a cousin. It, there's, there's so many Wootens who are musicians and are unbelievable yeah. mutants, uh, musicians, mutants, yeah. uh, Wooten musicians. Uh, the drummer as well in that family. Future Man is great. Oh, Roy Future Man. Yeah, yeah, he is unbelievable. I saw, I'm going to go down a Bella Fleck and I'm going to stop myself okay. before I go down my Bella Fleck like fanboy moment because yeah. I don't play banjo. I, I've played banjo a little bit for, for, you know, band needed a banjo and like all they wanted was strumming or just picking. I was like, okay, yeah. don't give me solos. I don't know what I'm doing on this thing. Um, but last thing we'll cover just because you said it and I promise uh, yeah. But you said sevens. So I've seen you mention that in a, in a co comments before people ask you yeah. what strings you use. Um, yeah. And I recently went on a string journey last year. Like I went and tried yeah. like everything from like eights to thirteens. I could not find sevens. So I, yeah. Um, but I, I found that going down to eights, um, everybody's like, Oh, it's a, you, you lose tone. You lose, you don't sound as good. Yeah. Or blah, blah, blah. I was like garbage, so much garbage. The eights sounded yeah. great. The only reason I don't still use them and I went back up in gauge is just because the way I play, I'm primarily a blues player mm -hmm. and, and the way I play, I had trouble bending in tune with eights because I just overbent all the time. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so I went back to the strings because I, I don't want a guitar to fight me. I, I, I love the old quote about B.B. Uh, King looking at... Um, yeah. Billy Gibbons once and Billy Gibbons was playing like 11s or 12s on his guitar and B.B. King looked at him and said, why are you working so hard? Mm -hmm. And that's when Billy Gibbons, uh, this could be apocryphal, but that's when he went down mm -hmm. to eights and started playing eights. So you play sevens. Um, yeah. Where do you buy sevens? <laughs> oh, Reggie gave them to me. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. That is yeah. awesome. 
I, know, I, I wondered really if nice. you had to go to like a, a custom string maker or something like I know he string- gave me a very special thin pick too that also i was like reggie i want to buy more and he was like yeah they don't make them <laughs> and i was like i went to a guitar center and i tried eight different picks to try to match this they're all around like you know 0.46 or 0.50 i was like i can tell it's like around that right I tried eight different ones and none of them were like close to it. And he was like, it's discontinued. Sorry. Oh no. That's when you start scouring reverb and eBay. Oh, I'm going to. (laughs) Oh, just wait. It is a magical pig and it totally, you know, it's so interesting. And like, I just try to be open to the process and open to different things. And like, it's definitely, it's so interesting. Like the pick changes your tone and the strings, you know, change your tone and your technique. And did, yeah, it, it did take a little while to get used to, cause I was used to nines, yeah. which isn't that big of a difference from nines or tens, you know? Um, but once you get used to it and that's what I'm saying, I'm starting to get too used to it. So it's starting to get actually really hard to go back the other way. I, it's crazy. I could imagine. Uh, I like many guys, uh, of a certain age, uh, got really into Steve Ray Vaughan at one point and tried to do yeah. the 13s. And then I'm like, like at some point I stopped. I was like, even Stevie stopped playing 13s. There's a reason. That's Stop right. It. It's just, it's ridiculous. Cue all the jazz guys saying, oh, you wimp. Yes. <laughs> but, well, that's uh, Picks. Uh, I had that conversation. I had Rick from Honey Picks on the mm-hmm. podcast and he makes some mm-hmm. pretty insane picks. I actually have one right in front of me. It's like a, a 5.6. It's, wow. yeah, it's a it's a big old beefy pick. I really like it. I like thicker picks just because cool. um, they work well for my technique. It's all technique yeah. and tone thing. But I yeah. I think a lot of players don't think enough about the pick they use, and mm. they think they all it's just a pick. I don't have to worry. It ha- they have a sound. The strings yeah. have a sound. They do have a sound. So, well, Dominique, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. I appreciate you talking with me for a little while. Yeah. Um, I sad we didn't get to connect at nam but i'm gonna be back in nashville a ton maybe yes. one day we'll be able to do this again Let me know when you're back we'll we'll do a we'll do an on-site i'll try to talk like fannies into letting us go over to fannies uh, house of music and do a podcast from there um That'd be awesome. or something like that um listeners i appreciate you hanging out appreciate you listening watching whatever you are doing if you've made it this far, if you do me a favor, um, you obviously like listening to the podcast. So do me a favor and share it with your friends. Uh, like, subscribe, leave a review, leave a comment. All those things help the podcast find more listeners. You can find us on the internet at 40wattpodcast.com. You can email me at 40wattpodcast at gmail.com. And you can support the show on Patreon uh, for as little as $3 a month or as much as $50 a month. I actually, at the $50 level, I give lessons. Like, we will get together. I'll give you guitar lessons, Amazing. piano lessons. We'll talk music theory. Or if you just want to bullshit for an hour, and we'll, we'll do it. I don't care. Um, so, 40 that's at patreon.com slash 40 podcast. In the meantime, I want you all to do me a favor. Be kind to yourselves. Be good to each other. And try to make some noise. This episode is brought to you by the supporters of 40 Watt Podcast over on Patreon. Go over to patreon.com slash 40 Watt Podcast, where for as little as $3 per month, you can help support the podcast and get every episode ad-free. For $5 a month, you'll get every episode ad-free, as well as a bonus episode every week. I can't overstate how thankful I am for the support of my patrons, and hope you'll consider joining the team and helping keep this show on the road.